essential guide to surviving humanity with Michelle Frost and Gareth Wax. Part two. Yeah, so we thought we would divide this subject into two parts because I think particularly for me it's quite a rich one. I think it's a rich one for everyone. The trouble is most people are scared stiff to look at it full in the face so they tend to deflect or just look at little bits of it. Mm. I wanted to discuss some of the literature around uh, some of the subjects we've been talking about and the popularity and my question is I suppose is this a case of the Empress New Clothes? In part I think it possibly is. So some of the, I'm not going to say seminary, but some of the really most popular books on this subject, at least that I'm aware of, and I'm, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands on this subject. I think the self-help section was a tiny little section. I used to go in there and I used to go hunting around for uh, anyone like Desmond Morris or any of these early days of anthropological discussion. And it was hard work to find them. I would imagine that these books would have been in the psychology department. Now there is a massive, massive... There's a section all of its own. In fact, half the bookshop seems to be developed to them. There's a massive section which is around self-development, self-help. Yeah. So the one I first came across was um, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. I actually read that book quite a long time ago and it really did help me. How it's described is dynamic and inspirational. Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway is filled with concrete techniques to turn passivity into assertiveness. Dr. Susan Jeffers teaches you how to stop negative thinking patterns and re-educate your mind to think more positively. You will learn the vital 10-step positive thinking process, how to risk a little every day, how to turn every decision into a no-lose decision. Now, I remember reading this, and it was one of those things where this was came out in the 80s, in the 80s. I remember it well. Yeah, and everyone was saying, you've got to read this, you've got to read this, you've got to read this. And it was all about the fact that fear is going to be part of our lives anyway. Mm -hmm. We can't avoid fear. And yet a lot of people are avoiding fear. Um, And so they get stuck in their own job, stuck in relationships, women in abusive relationships. That's just too scared to leave. And without going into too much detail, it was, from what I remember, it's about mastering fear. Yes, fear exists, but can I handle it? So most of us think, I can't handle it. So you're kind of stuck in this paralysis yeah, the most common expression from that time was, I don't want to be hurt again. Oh, I don't remember that one. Yeah, really, yeah, really. yeah. I won't go out and date that person or meet that guy or whatever it was because I don't want to be hurt again. Mm. And this book taught you that you have to expose yourself to a little bit of fear at a time. And it gets to the point when you're not so much annealed to it, was when you have the tools to be able to cope. Yes, it's like almost like a muscle that you're exercising. Yes. And I think a little bit like she over-egged the pudding, because again, with That's lots of I these mean. things, yes, exactly. there's a really simple lesson for all of us. Mm. We're all going to be afraid of being left, being betrayed, being hurt. Stuff not working out. Yeah, exactly. And so Being disappointed, that's a classic yeah. one. So she says, just keep doing it. Keep yes. feeling the fear step by step little steps most of the book to be honest is case studies can i say that i actually i don't think i invented this but i took on and when i first met heather she'll tell you we lived by four letters j f d i just <laughs> do it <laughs> there you go so that's very much in keeping with this book and it's described as a phenomenal classic that's helped millions and I have to I, I don't know if I can remember the quote exactly but Susan Jeffers was rejected many times with this book and she, one of the rejections was even if Lady Diana was riding through the streets naked giving this book out still nobody would read it well they wouldn't read it anyway they'd be too busy looking at her nakedness so 
So that was that was my first, I guess, exposure to. That was the first one. That was the first one. See, for me, no, it was Dale them. Carnegie. Much oh. earlier than that, how to win friends and influence people. Oh yes. To yes. me, that was fundamental. And then the other one, which is bizarrely not considered self-help, but to me, it was everything, which was the Art of War by Sun Tzu. That which... sounds like a more a men's book, but I do no, remember it was that sales being... really. Ah, uh, yeah. Because the most important lesson was sometimes the way to win is not to not to attack in the first place, but to withdraw. That is a life lesson in so many things. Picking your battles, mm. realising that life is a much bigger war, and the only way to win it is sometimes not to fight that particular battle. I remember how popular that book was because people were telling me about the sniper approach. Absolutely. And all these different... Mm. Do you remember people that it was brought back into existence as one of... The, yes, as you say. As a... I would call that pretty much the earliest, other than some of the books of Buddha, it was one of the earliest self-help books that was released on a, a wider scale. Mm. But you're quite right. I mean, Feel the Fear was an amazing one, it was one really, of those things. It was a seminal, little, Yeah, and, and there'd be many, many other... Oh, my um, God, so many. She's, she's written... What I mean is she's, there's been oh, many, she's many written. publications and she's written a lot of other books. She's passed away now, but I really do love that rejection quote. Then I think the next one that I was aware of is Louise Hay's Heal Your Body, I think it's called, or, yeah, Heal Yourself. I think Heather's got a copy of Yeah, she has. And so Heal Your Body, it was called 1984, so actually before Feel the Fear, and I only came across this book much, much later. Louise Hay was famous because she claimed that she healed her terminal cancer. That's right. She she, turned it around. Yeah, she turned it around because she had identified that what she was holding on to was some old resentment about her upbringing and being raped, I think, abused as a child and she then went into therapy and looked at her nutrition looked at reflexology along came this book and even now as you say heather's got a copy people are still referring to it and i do love this concept did she properly go into remission yes she she lived till 90 yeah well that's that's a fair age and so she said that all of our illnesses and diseases have their source in a, a, a mental or emotional source. So she said, rather than look at the illness or the cure for the illness, look at the emotion associated. So for every single ailment, she has an emotional source for that, an emo- emotional cause or mental cause. See, to, to me, being the empiricist that I am, mm-hmm. that fills me full of dread. You're looking to... Because I know there's been countless studies and there's never been any concrete evidence drawn up in an empirical manner or in a method that could be repeated. Mm -hmm. I always talk about repeated tests. So you have to be able to do the test multiple times and to come up with the same result. There's been never really direct link between emotional well-being and uh, direct wellness, except in the fact that if you're run down, you're more likely to pick up other diseases. I think I would say that stress, anxiety, as we, as I said in the last episode, mm. creates cortisol, and that reduces the immune system, and on we go. So I think there's much more science now saying, yeah, if we're in a constant fight-or-flight mode all our lives, then that's mm. really bad for us. Help half the... I, I agree it's really bad for us, but to say that you can draw a direct line between what she's saying and you can cure your cancer, cancer by doing this specific thing yeah i would say louise hay was very humble about this and she created this chart and she said it's about if you're willing to do the mental health if you're willing to do the mental health exercise i guess right do the work effect yeah almost anything can be healed okay so what i realized is that the same message runs through pretty much all of these books which is mind over matter Mm -hmm. the mind is a very powerful you know it's 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 it's, it's a machine it's a very very it's an amazingly capacious machine that we know very little about. Mm. So I think on some level, even in the 80s, she believed that we could conquer a lot of our 
illnesses or perhaps more protect ourselves from them okay. by having a, a more positive mindset. So you can look at a chart. I, you know I have a thing about my red eyes, Gareth. It's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a thing. Look, it's something you focus on. I think it's like you look in the mirror and you're probably drawn straight towards yeah. what, what's going on with your eyes yeah, today. Yeah, but people have commented over the years. And I looked that up in the book and she said it's anger. She talks about anger and looking through angry eyes. And I do think... Do you feel of, angry? Yeah, I mean, it's a spleen. It's a spleen and that's the liver and that's the you know that's associated with detoxing and all sure, that. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so I think there's an element of me repressing a lot of anger, like finding anger a really difficult emotion. And that maybe when I read that, I kind of thought, it kind of makes sense that it might create a sort of irritation up there, literally that word. Then we come on to a much more highbrow, or I see it as a highbrow book, which is called Conversations with God. I don't even remember. I know of its existence. Yeah. I've never read it. Well, it's really hard going and I'm not even sure whether I got through it all. But Does it have a central thrust? Yeah, so the, cent- the central thrust... Oh, I love saying those that, words. ...is written by Neil Donald Walsh. All of these are American, interestingly. Mm. Um, are there any English self-help books we could refer well, to? Well, I wish there were. Maybe we should have looked into that. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> not the ones that have been really popularised. Go on, then. So he's like a lot of these authors of these kind of books ah. had hit a real low point in his life. He'd lost everything. You know, he'd come to the point where he'd lost his all his... Business had gone down the drain. He was at that supposed rock bottom thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. He was despairing. And he kind of looked up, he had called on God and said, is there anything else you'd like to... What's this all about? What is this? Or do you even exist? And he started asking this series of questions, the kind of, I guess, sort of along the lines of theosophy, all those all those questions that we have around what is God, who is he, does he exist, all of that. Was it and, questioning his, his existence or was it just saying, you know, how do I get in touch with? I, I mean, almost have to read the book because I remember thinking, do I have this, to? Is, <laughs> this is kind of, this is quite profound. It was very profound in lots of ways. And he apparently heard this voice. Now, you know, who knows whether he heard a voice or whether actually some of these wisdoms came out of each. If, often if you or ask a question. maybe he just hadn't eaten for long enough that he started hallucinating. <laughs> Possibly. But the questions in themselves, I guess, if you ask a certain question, then that means you're focusing your mind in a certain area of yes. philosophy. So I, I'm not even going to try and summarise because it is really complex. But what I remember him saying is that when we're born, there's an initial separation. So all of it is about this idea that we're separate from things, we're separate from nature, we're separate from God. And these sort of a message was, uh, this causes suffering, it causes conflict. The replies was, I'm not a judging, I don't want you to suffer I'm not I'm not choosing it's, you don't have to be special to for me to love you that's what God's message was and this idea that I don't judge and along the lines of the next book we're going to talk about is that you have everything. There is an abundance. There is enough for everyone. I remember that being a big thing. We're all, there is enough. But doesn't that fly in the face of pretty much all, all deity-based religions? Eh? All religions based around a single God. Not, not the multiple God religions, funny enough, but the single God religions say, thou shalt have no other God than me. Absolutely, and that was the whole point of this book. And, and that I do judge you. In fact, the whole Jewish religion from which I come is based around your life, is based around one day a year, which is Yom Kippur, which is all about the day in which you are judged. And in fact, once again, when you die, you'll be judged once more. That seems to fly in the face of that. That was the whole point of it. Am I being dense? Well, when people, yes. When people say to me... I'm allowed to to be dense once a day. Go on. When people say to me, you've got to read this book, it was because they'd heard about my Catholic upbringing. Ah. This God says, I love you unconditionally because i am you i am we're all you know i we're all god 
which a deity is in us all you know there's a divine divinity in all of us i'm not up there i am one with you and every time you say every time you talk about a separateness this is where we feel the sense of depression isolation which is i think very much what this author experienced depression anxiety loneliness all the things that cause us grief he says you've got it all wrong you've got it the wrong way around i love you unconditionally i want you to survive but just realise that we are we are all part of the same one love. And again, it sounds wanky, but I think that was the point of this book. And the the, the point more... of this book was to point out that it, that God is within us. Yes, and it, and and so we we're not separate from God. We are part of uh, a godliness, and mm. it is really hard because I remember thinking, like I'm now finding, I found it and really this was hard a bestseller, to was it? articulate. Massive, yeah. I'm just wow. looking in ninety the two thousand and six. I'm just looking here. It, it must have been raining a lot. No, I've I've so, sort of read some so, of these self help books, you know, the ones which really sort of twist themselves up like this. Mm. I just, I just again, don't it, well, know. there's a sort of question answer format which I thought was really useful, and some of the things were, and I'm just reading now. No, please um, go. Yeah. Go on. So I am revealed through inward experience. All human actions are the outcome of two emotions fear or love which is what we've talked about you know god is not punishing does not judge is not to be feared fear based love seek not to find out who you are but determine who you are life is an experience of knowingness i remember so he sort of said that we're born with all knowledge in a way and we're really this is about remembering what we already know and that kind of made sense so this is quite highbrow stuff but it so, was... well, so give me a timeline now when did this book come out Two thousand and Six. So actually, but what we're actually alluding to in this in this very podcast is the is the, the zenith of where it's got to now. Yeah. So it's still again read by millions. And then the one I'm going to come to finally is the power of love. Uh-huh. Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Now again, pretty dense. And I remember people saying it changed my life. Like lots of these books, it changed my life. And it's tempting, isn't it? When some it's alluring. Someone says, you've got, kind of got to read it then, haven't I? What, what is it about this book that changed your life? The Power of Love, I tried to describe it to you earlier, didn't I, Gareth? And, um, and, and we're kind of going to try... There's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek look at this book because... Yeah, but the thing is, you see, people can take this, I think, and there's so many of these things, and read into it what they want. Yeah. And, I, and my, <clears throat> my dearest darling wife, as everybody knows, I love her more than life itself. She takes from it only the positivity out of it. She thinks it's marvellous. In fact, uh, Tom, another person to, uh, whom I look up to, even though he's actually shorter than me, he actually takes a lot of the concepts out of this and thinks a lot of it and winds it into some of his own teachings. Mm. Let me just take out what I think are the positives. So there's this element, perhaps more in the Western world, that we're kind of almost addicted to suffering and pain. We kind of feed off it, we feed it. So he talks about this concept of the pain body. The pain body is this dark shadow of the ego, and it's all the residue of this old pain, rejection, betrayal. It's all where the bad shit is all collected. Yes, being let down. And um, and it's from our past. We're not even aware of it. So the, the... the sort of sinister part of it it's happening on a very unconscious level we're not aware of it and he talks about it this entity that lies dormant in our unconscious it's like a millstone around our neck yes but it's kind of rather snake-like and and yes i said quite sinister and it lies dormant but every time um say someone like you i know really well suddenly says something that triggers you i have an ouch moment like ouch and i or you know i might feel as i do often in life irritated impatient 
absolutely full of rage for uh, the disrespect, you know, na- disrespectful nature of people. Something gets triggered. What he says is, this isn't about the other person. This is an old pain, an old time where you were made to feel impatient, an old rejection. And it's noticing itself. It's going, oh, oh, look, that looks just like me. That pain looks just me. So it feeds off itself if you like so pain is seeking pain yeah yeah and what he says is the answer to this is to put a big old spotlight on it and say i see you i see you pain body and i know what you're doing in my unconscious you're just you're feeding this pain because you want you want to live you this pain body wants to survive it does everything it does to, to survive what it doesn't like is joy it doesn't like happy feelings it doesn't like people being really happy it likes people being in pain so it's the suggestion that you kind of your antidote to this pain body is to fill yourself with joy mm, well yes to to focus your mind away from painful memories and more than anything to see it so what he talks about and this is the bit that did i say change my life but it really made me think this is so useful so he said when you feel irritated depressed vengeful go oh how interesting i'm feeling depressed vengeful vindictive so what we're doing is you're taking a step outside and you're going you're not in it as we so often are, it takes over us and it makes us feel sick or angry or we're just going, how interesting, I'm feeling angry and what that's about, what is that about? So quickly. So it's almost looking in upon yourself, you're disembodying yeah. and, and, you're, and you're looking down on yourself and saying, I, I see you, right? Yeah, yeah. You're and getting... then what? Well, what happens is that you, you can kind of let it go and if you, the more you practice that ability to see it as an old dormant pain residue being triggered you kind of go well I don't need to indulge in it I guess is the way you kind of go I can just let that go because it's not it's something from the past it's not really useful for me it's so you're kind of drawing person. a line underneath it yeah it really improves relationship I think really the goal is to find an inner peace a peacefulness within yourself where whatever happens however you're triggered people say things to you and you realize that they're not about it's not about you you kind of you're able to feel actually a, a sort of inner peace because this isn't mine this is some old thing that i don't need to so the message that again runs through all of this literature is about being present you can't change the past and you can't control the future so there's no point in worrying about any of those things i would say that running through all these books as well is is about focusing the mind on the on the positive and how we are stuck so much many of us in the victim mode right and we're constantly inflicting pain and allowing pain to happen to us but i think let's just on a on a more humorous note we know that some of these celebrities have jumped on this bandwagon yeah but they've just taken the bits out that i think suit their own personal agenda oh, yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and also there's an element of narcissism in all of this where Good they Lord go this. yeah where they go okay well um, i'm going to create a religion like kanye west who famously has created this vvvip gospel according to kanye and he holds these uh, church services where he is I don't know, the priest, possibly God himself, and you can come and worship with Kanye, or worship Kanye West. Do you worship Kanye West? I do not. And no, I don't mean you, just, just oh, one. Oh, I think that's the idea, is They it? go and worship, he's setting himself up as a, as a golden calf. He's like cow. a sort of priest, yeah. He's setting himself up as a golden calf. Mm, mm. Oh my God. 
I don't even remember what happened last time. <laughs> she and Moses came down <laughs> and smashed the tablet. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's only learned from. Hasn't he read any? Hasn't he read anything? So oh there's a sort God. of yeah, I, I agree. There's a sort of uneducated. First, you have to learn how to read, of course. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> so I thought what would be interesting is that we found a couple of articles, uh, particularly focusing on Chris Evans, and I think it's but just because he's a really good example of someone. He's who, a really good example of something. Yeah, whose whose ego is so massive that he somehow feels that he needs to humble himself towards the publics that maybe actually spotted that. And he's a bit of an idiot. But uh, not just that, but some of these sound bouts, they sound like they've been made up. Yeah, and they are quotes from Eckhart Tolle. Oh but out God. of context, you see. Out this of is what I was saying. He's taken the bits out that suit his own personal internal narrative. And, and it's basically giving him licence to be as narcissistic as he wants to be. Mm. Go on, what have you mm. got for me? OK, well, I'm going to... I thought I'd do the, the Guardian. Go um, on, then. This is about a year ago now, but it's still very relevant. Um, and this is by a woman who, let's just say, thinks he's talking a lot of... What did you call it? Bulldust. Bull Bulldust, yeah. Uh, and um, so... The, the title is Myself is Not My Eye Today. This is something that Chris Evans actually quoted in a book where he said, an, an article, sorry, where he talked about how enlightened he was. Enlightened people don't talk about how enlightened they are. Yeah, it's, in it's interesting. Already, yeah. Enlightened people very rarely talk about themselves at all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, the, and the subtitle is, the radio DJ is now very much enlightened. So can we all become millionaires like him if we devote ourselves to Eckhart Tolle and learn the power of I? Or is it that we need to become millionaires so we can become like Chris Evans? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I would like to draw everyone's attention to one article published over the weekend about how we can all lead better lives, written by none other than British Radio's own Chris Evans, as opposed to Hollywood's own Chris Evans, because truly no one is better qualified to give life guidance than a man who in 2000, at the age of 34, gave the then 18-year-old Billy Piper a silver Ferrari, even though she didn't know how to drive. Well, he had one in his back pocket. What was he going to do with it? Yes. And then she talks about some of the ridiculous things he says. So e- Evans thrillingly reveals all the things he has learned with such apicus as everything you really want, you already have. Probably oh, true of a man who owns one of the most expensive car collections in the country. And we say i am not myself today but we never say myself is not my eye today made you think on and on it goes with evans you think you're a twat with evans who earns two million a year on virgin radio counseling readers that they shouldn't seek to be enriched and find yourself enslaved and our need to go on holiday is completely surplus to who we really are quite how this fits with evans instruction that in order to have a happy life one must have at least two holidays booked at all times is alas not explicated. If your thinking sounds like my man was given some Eckhart Tolle for Christmas, you would be far from wrong. Tolle, the favoured writer for all narcissists, has indeed shaped what I guess we can call Evans' thinking. But true to form, Evans doesn't just like Tolle, he worships him. He is, Evans says, in the line that is a million times funnier than anything that was in Zoolander 2, my number one guru. Yes, because he's got a whole line of them, you know. Evans has read The Power of Now every year for the past two decades, a habit that has been scientifically proven, maybe, to have a more corrosive effect on the brain than long-term cocaine use. Yes, I think he may be actually uh, chopping the book up and then snorting that instead. (laughs) Manifestation 
is the art of making what you want happen happen. It is a real superpower available to us all, Kev Evans continues. And then I'm afraid I must manifest cutting him off. Well, look, um, I'll tell you what, I've got something similar here from the FT Opinion magazine, actually. The title is Spare Me the Inane Ramblings of Enlightened Celebrities. And I'm going to skip through to uh, a portion which is quite interesting. It is a bizarre aspect of modern celebrity that people who would consider themselves far too cool to go around telling you they have found Jesus. I'm talking about Britain here, not the US. Well, you're not allowed to have lost him in the first place. See, nothing wrong with sententiously boring on about the latest New Age guru. Step forward, Chris Evans, DJ. General Scamp, long-term sufferer. I'm a general scamp, mate, of several diseases of the rich, with the Sunday Times Life Lessons article so screamingly devoid of self-awareness that at first it seemed like it must be a joke. The path to inner peace, you'll not be surprised to learn, does not turn out to be wealth. That would make it a terribly unspiritual article. Of course, some of these screeds run to a thousand words. Amongst the learnings on offer from Evans were such epics as what you are looking for, you are already looking from. <laughs> we do not need to chase or find love. We are love. Everything you want, you already have. We already covered that one. And my favourite, which is, we say, I'm not myself today, but we never say myself is not my art. It just makes no mean? sense. I don't understand. What is he on about? <laughs> now, I've always liked Evans for his all his tiresome laddishness. No one can object if this helps him with his demons, but it's a bit rich to be told by a multimillionaire that everything you really want you already have. I mean, that might be true if you've got a bunch of Ferraris and a seven-figure radio deal. If, however, you're in fact picking up parcels from a food bank, you may question that particular piece of wisdom. Then again, uh, that may be just be yourself, not being your you. Another Evans gem ran, um, there's no such thing as right or wrong, or good or evil. It is purely thinking that makes it so. Really? Really? Really, really? No such thing as evil or wrong? What, what about, you know, about just be obvious Nazis? Was it my only my thinking that made them evil? Or am I missing the point? Or, and is it their thought that made them evil? Is it just that the Nazis did not realise that everything they wanted they already had? Apparently, a lot of this new wisdom is some courtesy of a guru called Eckhart Tolle. Mm -hmm. which we've already mentioned, the autobiography. Now, now, I must admit, De Niro had been troubled by any of his musings, although it's possible that his book was read by myself rather than by me. <laughs> I'll have to be checking that later. Anyway, it's huge. Oprah Winfrey loves him, so does confusingly the movie star Chris Evans as well, his namesake. Um, so maybe it's just a guru for the rich and the famous Chris Evans is. It was a whole line of them. We'll find a few more in a minute. <laughs> At one level, uh, this is merely the inane bamblings and the ramblings of another celeb who has found his version of religion and found, apparently lacks the self-awareness to remember how old Chris might have mocked such portentous piffle. Imagine back in the day, if anybody had mentioned this to him, he would have taken the piss out of him immediately. Mm, but anyone who has seen friends fall for such similar guff knows the drawbacks. Uh, a number of mine were sucked into aggressive self-help organisations such as EST, Est and The seriously, Forum. EST is seriously, dangerous. They're seriously sick. Mm. And also, of course, the one that I was almost sucked into, which was Landmark. Yeah. yeah. But I have to say, to my credit, having went there for one of them, I was halfway through one of their first meetings, and they were talking about creating a clearing. I stood up and I said, hang on a moment, isn't this just bollocks? <laughs> There need to be more people that just hang on a minute. It's just bollocks. It was. It was terrible. Yeah. It was. I could see people glazing over and nodding, mm. like you know those little dogs you put brainwashing, on, on, brainwashing. Oh. Yeah, because I think 
talks a bit about that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The burning need to persuade everyone to drink the same Kool-Aid and the aggressive emotional assault on anyone who refused, which I came across. In fact, in Landmark, they positively encouraged you to cut yourself off from people who didn't want to follow the Landmark ideology. Mm. This is the most alarming feature of their spiritual awakening, to the point where I'm even worried that one friend has been rather brainwashed. And he finishes off by saying, in the end, if all this twaddle makes anyone a happier human, and then more power to their elbow. But if it turns you into a teasier narcissist, let's face it, Chris Evans has turned into exactly that, unable to recognise that the life you have is beyond the reach of all those to whom you're now pleading that perhaps you need to have a quiet word with yourself. Mm -hmm. And in the word of a great man, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I should really a name check to the guy who actually wrote the article, Robert Shrimsley of the FT. This was by The Guardian, Hadley Freeman. Very good, actually. Both very, of them. Both very of them. good. Different tones for each one. I would say this one, the one I just read was more acerbic and mm. straight to the point. Yours, yours more musing without actually trying to stab him in the and heart. A bit of tongue-in-cheek. You know, yes. she, she goes on to talk about um, Tom Cruise, who famously joined Scientology, um, and then jumped up and down on the sofa when he was talking about his latest love. So, yeah, what we're talking about here is some of the, the dangerous aspect of people being completely disillusioned. The exclusivity where you're told you can't think in any other way. This is the only way. It is, dare I say it, another cult. Completely, and it's addictive. I'm just thinking of... Um, Shouldn't be called the power of now. Should be called the cult mm, of now. And these are all... If you think of any of these things, I remember being... I seem to be someone that people really want to recruit. I must be seen to be a little bit gullible. Landmark. No, I don't think so. I, you're, I know what you absolutely state, and you've stated on podcasts with me more than once, you've not yet found your ideal part. So you're still looking. And what all these people want is people who are looking. Because they want to say, look, look at the shiny object over here. Come this way, this mm. way, this way is where it lies. I think, I, mean, I would say probably that the movement, the movement movement is probably <laughs> as close as I can to say that I found my path. This is about someone who's single, uh, comes across as being adrift, yeah. is perhaps not making enough money, which I probably talk about. I've been ideal recruitment um, material for Landmark, people have suggested Scient- Scientology. Scientology hasn't come up for me. It will do. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah because like, once you're in there, you don't have to worry about money. Because if you go on their learning programmes, they strip away all your money anyway, so you don't need it anymore. Mm. Then there's one that was, which is uh, where you chant Nam Ryo Renge Kyo, Nam Ryo Renge Kyo. That's constantly coming up. And this is, you know, each of them have some kind of Baji Ranjan Sharishna as their guru. That you which have does to... sound like an aperitif. <laughs> you know, Ranji Bajo. And you have to kind of like buy all his books and learn all the chanting off by heart. And I think it is, as this journalist says, I'm not suggesting that we take this away from people. If it's, if it's their way of finding inner peace... It's like I, I've always said to Heather, I don't care what you do, as long as you're not hurting anybody, and as long as you're effectively helping people. But it's the time when you're starting ripping money out of people for stuff that sounds dubious, that's when I'm not happy. And it's, that applies to all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But particularly this, it's all very well saying to someone, do you know what you could do with talking to someone and maybe getting another perspective? But it was when they say, disregard what everybody says, just look at me. Look at the shining light that comes from within me. Don't listen to them, listen to me. Yeah. That's when it becomes and, and dangerous. And I, I have to mention a, a friend who I would say is no longer really a friend. I guess I was sort of, there was some suggestion. A close personal I, yes, acquaintance. Yes. <laughs> 
And he had found Eckhart Tolle, I don't know, about a year ago after having a really, really bad moment and where he was, you know, he split up with his long-term partner. And he now quotes Eckhart Tolle constantly to the point that it drives me around to the point that I've said if you mention Eckhart Tolle again I'm putting the phone down and he talks about does he story. then say well as Eckhart Tolle would say <laughs> yeah. I mean he would I'm not even joking he would He'd bring him in and he talks about and this is scary he said if you met the old me he said this is a man in his mid 50s you wouldn't like him he said but the new me that has discovered Eckhart Tolle has discovered inner peace did you say you're irritated by him yeah I'll take the old one any day he really believes that this man this reading all the videos and then to the point that Chris Evans is is where it's he's a devotee uh, when you've got as much time on your hands as Chris Evans does you've got to allow him a little bit of a hobby (laughs) I mean if if reading books by a man who wants to create devotees makes me question about Eckhart Tolle himself because if he needs so so much adulation well I mean he also came from a very low point he's actually quite funny and odd looking and he does take life perhaps not as seriously as one might think I think what he would say to Chris Evans is man you know get on with your life get on with your life I suspect Eckhart has found himself a way of moving forward and he just wanted to tell people this is what worked for me yeah totally he lost everything again a bit like this other guy sure totally at low point lived with the homeless for many years literally lived on the street for many years and then he absolutely started to think well this is how I got this is what got me through this is what helped me survive it's like don't worship me guys and I mean I think he's probably made a lot of money out of this but it's not something that he intended to do It's, it's just as you said it's how people have decided to interpret it for themselves so how are we going to wrap this thing up draw me a conclusion fair frosty well i want to to say that having read a lot of these books and and listened to i guess a lot of videos and people telling me that this is what like changed their life mm. none of this is going to change your life none of it is going to change your life i really believe that but if you step back from it all mm. and you think what's really important and you understand that the mindfulness thing you know living in the now and mm. and not focusing on the future and really not getting too wound up with the past mm-hmm. and i think if you can draw out of that okay now i'm here i'm doing now now what am i going to do with myself i know have a bit of fun do something that makes me feel meaningful get on with my life if any of all those things helped you do that i suppose yeah, it's I a think, qualified uh, success it's, it's a cliche but i would say don't take yourself too seriously find humor in it ruby wax is a good example because and she's, she's just got, awesome she's got an obe for her uh, contribution to mental health i'm a big fan of ruby wax me and my wife very big fan read up about neuroplastic it basically means don't believe what they say any dog could learn any trick neuroplasticity is yeah. the way so, forward and, I, and again a lot of these books are saying change your mindset mm. change your mindset you know think positively but I'm going to end mm-hmm. on Winnie the Pooh <laughs> Uh, I'm going to find some it's quotes. Come there to are this. so many quotes that I really don't know where to start, but I'm just going to sort of look at a few that, that stand Did out. Did A.A. Mill knew he was writing a self-help book? This is uh, a man called Benjamin Hoff who wrote a book called The Towel. Towel of Pooh. Rather than teach us these high breath books that we've mentioned, yes. he put the words of Taoism in the voice of Pooh, let's say. I'm just looking at what's Go come on up then. here. Yeah. And this is really useful. We don't need to shift our responsibilities onto the shoulders of some deified spiritual superman or sit around and wait for fate to come knocking at the door 
we simply need to believe in the power that's within us and use it. When we do that and stop imitating others and competing against them, things begin to work for us. Hang on a second. So you mean don't copy him, do it for yourself, stop being such a knob and get on with your life? And use what you've got within you. It's all God. there, you know. And then I really Office, like really? this. You'd be surprised how many people violate this simple principle every day of their lives and try to fit square pegs into round holes, ignoring the clear reality that things are as they are. Although I've often tried to fit square pegs to round holes. It turns out you can do it if you hit it hard enough. I really like this one. Rabbit's clever. Can you do poo? Rabbit's clever, said Pooh, thoughtfully. Yes, said Piglet. Rabbit's clever. And he has brain. Yes, said Piglet. Rabbit has brain. There was a long silence. I suppose, said Pooh, that that's why he never understands anything. Apologies for my bad poo voice. I hadn't practised it. That was a very good poo voice. So in summary, I would say my number one guru is Winnie the Pooh. But Winnie the Pooh and Piglet and Tigger and... All of them together. Yeah, because they that, that whole story is so simple and it's told in a simple way and it's told in a way of wonder and awe. Pooh is constantly in a state of wonder and awe. And I think wonder and awe are a wonderful way to see the place. It's all a bit of a mystery. We can't yes. really work it out. And actually, that's the beauty of life. Don't underestimate the value of doing nothing, of just going along, listening to all the things you can't hear and not bothering. If the person you are talking to doesn't appear to be listening, be patient. It may simply be that he has a small piece of fluff in his ear. (laughs) (laughs) I I can totally understand it. Sometimes, don't overthink it. Do you know, I do that all the time. We both do. That's why we love each other so much. This has been the Essential Guide to Surviving Humanity with Michelle Frost and Gareth Wax. How sweet to be a cloud Floating in the blue Every little cloud Always sings aloud How sweet to be a cloud Floating in the blue How sweet to be a cloud Floating in the blue, it makes him very proud to be a little cloud. How sweet to be a cloud.